The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Hello and welcome to VEASAN Long Shots, the Monday PGA Championship edition. It is Matt Brown. It is Kelly Bidlin. Do a quick recap of the weekend in which we saw a very, very good player who's been knocking on the door finally get to the winner's circle first time in five years and take a quick look ahead at what we might be getting as far as early odds here for the PGA Championship. Kelly Bidland, I was rooting for you yesterday. It was never to be. You had a nice long shot 150 to 1 ticket on somebody who was at least on the top of the leaderboard at one point. But end of the day, 22 different guys shot at least 16 (laughs) under in this tournament. So when you have those type of tournaments, it's really tough to kind of get one of your tickets home. And, you know, listen, I don't know if you were able to squirm and wiggle your way to a profit or not. Uh, What, what, what say, what, what ended up happening yesterday? What was the fallout? I, I made it a, I was able, you and I discussed, we were, we were texting back and forth. I actually bet the ridiculous no price on Ryan Palmer uh, at Circa was like minus $5. But for a big reason why, and these are, it's all situational, right? Every week and every, even during rounds with golf and when we're choosing to get off positions and hedge or whatever, um, it, for me, Matt, it was it was it was a hefty price, and no, it's not like I went crazy betting it, but it was kind of looking at the leaderboard, and you're like, there's so many guys and yeah. so many good guys that exactly what happened on Sunday, I was like, this could happen, and I would like to at least lock in something here. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm I did bet it. Did. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I did bet it. it you know, it, it made it, it mitigated basically a bunch of the losses for the week. So a small losing week for me. Uh, what it felt like, though, at the end, though, like that, that back nine yesterday, it felt like I had uh, like if someone gave you 20 scratchers. Right. And they were like, one of these like <laughs> there is a huge, huge uh, payoff for if you hit it. That's what it felt like yesterday. I'm like, all right, this is just a lottery. This right. is the roulette wheel. Spin the wheel. Let's see if we get lucky and land on the number. But no. Did not come point seven million dollars for Jason yeah. Day, who gets into the winner's circle for the first time in five years. He gets that done with rounds of 64, 69, 66, and then a 62 in round four. And as we mentioned, 22 different players shot at least 16 under in this tournament. And so, Kelly, I think you know, this is something we've tried to, I really think, you know, get across here on the podcast, but it's worth noting yet again here. 
is when we have these scorable courses, it is the time in which you will see us play the longer shot guys much, much more and much heavier. Because here's the thing about these guys on the PGA Tour. They're all awesome at golf. And so when a golf course is presented easy, you get what you get in round four of the of the Byron Nelson in which Jason Day goes six. Let me just read you the final round scores of the guys that finished in the top 22. Yeah. 62, 65, 63, 62, 64, 67, 65, 63, 66, 63, 63, 66, 66, 67, 63, a couple more 65s, a couple more 64s, and a couple of 66s. So every one of these guys is awesome at golf. And so when they get an easy course, any one of these guys can go nuclear in any round in any given day. Now, listen, it didn't come to fruition in this tournament. One of the short shots in Jason Day did end up going on and winning. He won by one stroke and he shot a 62 to get it done. And so, you know, it, it will change drastically. I think as we do the full pod tomorrow, which by the way, shameless plug live on VEASAN tomorrow at 11 Pacific and two Eastern. But, um, you know, I think our strategy will change drastically. When we look at the PGA, this is probably yeah. going to play in the single digits when it comes down to it, as far as scoring. And so, a different type of player is going to likely win is probably going to be one of the better players there is out there on tour. These easy courses, these good scoring conditions, any guy on tour can go crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point because the one thing, the only thing I'm kind of beating myself up a bit about, uh, you know, yesterday and today was like, I only made a couple finishing position bets, but those, when you get these scorable courses, there's so much less value in some of those finishing position markets. And and I went too heavy on like KH Lee and Matt Kuchar to finish Mm -hmm. top 20. And like Kuchar's a good example. He was in that top 20 range for, for much of the first three rounds. And so much of those low, the low scoring on Sunday pushed him out of that. Um, And yeah, you, you, you could bring up the weather and the guys playing with ball in hand and it makes it easier scoring. Sure. That that's all true, but but it doesn't take away from the fact that just the, the course in general, like you're talking about, is a very scorable course, um, and you should expect to see guys go low. Uh, one of the, before we move on, Matt, I just want to—I mean, awesome to see Jason Day win, uh, first time in five years. He's been building up to this. We've been playing top twenties on him almost all all season long. Been extremely profitable. He's clearly uh, get it. You know, his game is is you know, getting back to that point where where it once was, man, this was another, this was another tournament though, that was really enjoyable watching down the stretch. And it's, it's becoming a thing and in, in, in maybe where it's my, my betting has been a little bit more successful. I feel this is why I feel this way, Matt, but some of these non-elevated events have had some great storylines have been really compelling to watch. I mean, like this one was great. I think the Jason day getting a win especially getting a win with Scotty Scheffler in the mix, right? Like mm-hmm. that you beat out J- Scotty Scheffler, I think takes this this victory to another level for Jason Day. Much like I was really impressed with Finau holding off Rom in the Mexico mm-hmm. Open, right? Like those are impressive things to take away from some of these golfers. And then like, I don't know how much you were watching of this, but guys like this Vincent Norman guy, right? Like the mm-hmm. Swedish kid, he's out there and it's, I don't want to make it like the, yes, this is a bet, betting podcast, but but like the love of the game. This guy's out there laughing, having a great time because he knows he's playing golf at a level that, you know, he probably doesn't belong, but hopes to one day. 
And guess what, Matt? He knows he's taking home a large chunk of change at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So he's out there watching the last few holes, big smile on his face, laughing at stuff. You know, it's like, this is what you miss sort of with some of these PGA Tour events. When it's the elevated events, you know you're getting the best of the best on a great course, and we're going to see certain battles. I like some of these underdog out of nowhere stories where it's like, yeah, like Siwoo Kim, like you had a chance to like knock off Jason Day and Scotty Scheffler. It almost happened. Yeah, I and I tweeted this yesterday as well, and this has nothing to do with betting, but I love courses that have par five finishing holes. Me too. Because yes, the, tweet this. the just the slight bit of intrigue that an eagle is at least a possibility, like brings so much to the table for me, yeah. right? Like yesterday, like when there was just a chance at an eagle and we might have gone to a playoff, like I just like that, right? I mean, it's it's just for me, I enjoy uh, us like having just a little bit more drama along the way. So I really do love the par five finishing holes and the risk reward type things. Cause there was water on that hole. You know I mean? Yeah. You had to get yep. it over the water. So, I mean, it's not like it was just an easy reach the, the reach it in two type situation. And so anyway, it's, that's just kind of more of a personal preference as an aside type thing, but it no, did, I think add a little bit of drama towards the end of a tournament. And to me, like any extra drama is always great. Yeah. It's, I, I saw you tweet that totally agree. Cause it, it's, it's, we don't see it enough. And yeah. It's why I lo- I love and obviously it's 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 personal to me Honda Classic I covered for years but I love that closing stretch the stretch where mm. you get the bear trap and it's so tough and then you have that island green on seventeen right for a par three and then you turn around and play one of the easier holes on yeah. the golf course the par five eighteenth but there's water in play mm. right there is water in play that entire time so I'm with you it's just. Risk reward, right? You could be two shots back like Austin Eckrow was, but it's, hey, we can't count you out because there's still a chance you can eagle this. I'm, I'm with you. The, I wish we saw more of that. The the cream did, look, and that's the thing about these type of tournaments, and this is something just as, as you guys move forward, right, betting these type of things, like all of these stars really did play well and shoot well. It's just everyone can do it, and so trying to cut through, I mean, yes, Jason Day did win, but like you look, Siwoo is in second. He goes 22 under. Scotty is in tied five at 20 under. So is Tyrrell Hatton at 20 under. Adam Scott shoots a final round 63 to get up to T8. I mean, like all of these guys all played extremely well. It's just tough to win a tournament when everybody is shooting 63s and 64s and 62s and stuff like that. And so just something to remember when we get these easier type courses and stuff. And listen, the majority of the time, I think moving forward here, Kelly, and this is just a guess for me but these events that are not elevated events that are leading into bigger events my guess is they are going to make these courses play easier the event organizers are because they are going to want people to want to come play them Uh, like if you're going to a course in which you know that the first prize is four million dollars the next week do you want to go grind for four days before yeah. you go to like event like that? Or do you want to go and just like, Hey, work on some stuff with your game, do whatever, like make some putts, get the, get it close, whatever, have some positive momentum heading into the next week. Like again, just a guess on my part, but if you're a non-elevated event leading into an elevated event, I think they're going to make the conditions as easy as possible which might make those score those type of tournaments more scoring fests which might we we might have to adjust our, mm-hmm. our we might have to adjust how our handicapping or whatever because look how else are you going to get these guys to come if the money's just not the same right and we saw it with this we only had a handful of guys actually show up 
I mean, I think I think you know, going back to it, I think the perfect example is the Honda Classic, which we know is going to be changing. But that is a PGA National is a brutally tough course, mm-hmm. and I mean, we we saw this even before the elevated events, the, the, mm-hmm. it, it, right in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. I mean, geez, half of the tour lives within 20 minutes of driving distance and the big names avoid it like it's the plague yeah. because of what you're talking about. They don't, it's, it's too tough. I don't mean, I'm not saying it's too tough for them to play or do well on, but it's what you're talking about. It requires yeah. a lot of prep work. It requires a lot of practice time. I'm, I'm with you. I think that there's a lot of these events. If you're going to be able to draw bigger names, yeah, you probably got to be a little easier setup, easier course. Um, you know, and I, I liked that par five finish, but otherwise, like, like TPC Craig Ranch does nothing for me. I, I don't know about <laughs> like that. I like that they have a par five for the 18th. Otherwise, yeah. it was like this course is so boring, like watching it the whole weekend. Well, let's talk about a course that's not going to be boring, and that is mm-hmm. Oak Hill over in Rochester, New York. And that's where we'll be having the 2023 PGA Championship. This is a Donald Ross original design. We did get a restoration in 2019, 2020, in which we uh, saw Andrew Green come in and do some stuff. This is going to be a par 70. It's going to play just under 7,400 yards. Water comes into play on about six of the holes out there. And Kelly, this is one of those. Uh, this is one of those tournaments. Like I said, my guess, and I've been proven wrong on these before. My guess is the winner is going to be in single digits in this tournament. Maybe gets to ten even or something like that. Yeah. But my guess is that this is going to be a single digit type winner. I think you're going to need to grind here. I think in in the the way that the course lays out and it just being a par 70 as it is anyway, I think it's going to be a single digit type thing and those might be the type of players I'm going to be more gravitated towards as we uh as we build our models and certainly get a bunch of bets in our account. Yeah, uh going to be interesting. Haven't done a whole lot of course breakdown yet, but the um yeah, I mean, yes, I'm with you. This is this is going to be much much tougher than what we saw uh, last week. We knew that, you know, whenever they put whenever they put this on the calendar for the PGA Championship to be played there, uh, we got another stellar field. Obviously, this being a major, you got the best in the world. Um, I, I mean, I thought I think the Masters was incredibly compelling uh, with the with the live versus PGA guys, you know, and that that happening. I think we get round two of that again this. Uh, uh, this week coming up with the PGA Championship, we saw Brooks Kepka, uh, you know, make, make oh, Brooks Kepka and others, I guess, make a strong case for for live uh, in the Masters. Do we get the same kind of drama this week, or is it more, uh, you know, of the of the big three on the PGA Tour and some of these other guys that have been playing really well recently? A lot of great storylines to look out for this week. We head to the top of the leaderboard. No surprise, Scotty Scheffler plus seven fifty, John Rahm eight to one. The biggest difference here is the third guy on the board. It is still Rory McIlroy, but Rory has yeah. now drifted at DraftKings to 14 to 1. Now, 3 days ago, Rory was sitting 11 to 1. And so, I think as people came in and started to bet this tournament, Kelly, I think they're seeing the same thing that you and I and I think even Wes has been talking about, you know, I was full fade of Rory 2 weeks ago. That was very profitable for me in that tournament. Um and I think people are looking at a guy that is Look, one of the best players in the world, absolutely, but not in the same tier as Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm on a week-in, week-out basis. And that's okay. Not No one is. But, I mean, like, mm-hmm. we were getting prices on Rory that were the same, basically, as Scheffler and Rahm. And I don't – we didn't think it was warranted. I never thought it was warranted. I hadn't bet Rory in forever because of it. And 
now we see this price starting to drift to where something I feel is a little bit more indicative of the state of his game right now. I would still rather see like a 16 or a 17 because I think he's probably more in line with like a Xander and Cantlay than he is a Scheffler and Rom. But we are starting to see that number drift a little bit. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I'm with you. I'm not... It hasn't drifted, you know, far enough for me uh, to get in on Rory. There are, you know, I think there are some concerns, rightfully so, with his game right now. Um, yeah, you you did a great job fading him a couple weeks ago. We knew we knew he said some of those some of the things after the Masters about trying to take some time time away from, try you know, kind of being the PGA Tour representative, player representative. It feels like kind of constantly in this media battle with Liv. Really, he thought it had kind of taken some, t- taken some of his attention away from his game. So I- I'm eager to see what what he shows up with like this week. I don't know that I'm going to be running to bet against him, but definitely not on him. I think one of the one of the more interesting parts, just looking up some uh, some of the more basic kind of stats here over the past uh, last 24 rounds, Matt. It's really his putter. You know, I mean, like Tita Green still he's fifth in this field uh, last 24 rounds, but, but that putter's been failing him. He's 90 fifth in putting yeah 95th in the strokes gained putting over the last 24 rounds uh for the guys that are in this field so I, I that that's a I would say that's a concern but as we talk about all the time okay if you're talking fifth tee to, tee to green but you're losing that much putting can a hot putter put him right on track this week yeah it absolutely could yeah so it's going to be interesting this week too because it's a long course, 7,400 yards at a par 70. There's going to be long rough. There's trees out there. There's deep bunkers. There's also Allen Creek that runs through half of the holes on the course as well. So there's every single type of pitfall on this course, Kelly. So we're going to need someone that's that's pretty dialed in. You're not going to be able to spray here. You're not going to be able to get by on missing a ton of – like th- there's – there's going to be someone that needs to have their game in line as we head into this. And so it's going to be pretty interesting as we start to break everything down. Now, again, as we move deeper into the odds board, guys, and if anything, uh, we'll, we'll, some full disclosure here, Kelly and I do have bets in the account already on Cam Smith. And the reason I bring him up is because we made these before he made the run at the live event this past weekend. Yeah. And because he made the run at the live event this past weekend, he is now dipped to 30 to one. Now, listen, Kelly, a year ago, he'd be 15, 16 to one entering this tournament. So there's an argument to be made that 30 to one is still too long. You and I were fortunate enough to get 45s on him where I thought that price was just egregious on Cam Smith. And I was willing to pay to find out if he hates golf. Like I was really willing, I was willing to pay to find out if he doesn't really want to play golf anymore. Um, Now it's down to 30. I at least wanted to bring it up because another guy that has plummeted is Dustin Johnson. After he wins this past week over at live, he's now down to 30 as well. He was sitting in that 40 to one range. So some guys have come in and bet on some of these live guys based off of recent success. Not saying there's not value still on those guys, not saying that they're unbettable. I will just say that two days ago, the numbers were far longer and today they are far shorter. Yeah. Um, Look, I think the point you bring up about Cameron Smith is completely fair. So if, if he would be in that teens range. So if, yeah. if that's the way you want to look at it, like that's, you know, that's what he would have been if he yeah. was still playing on the PGA Tour. Um, so, yeah, I think if anybody wants to go bet him at 30, I don't have a problem with it. Right, I, I'm, I'm going to talk you off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, am I going to be going heavy on him outside of that outright play? Probably not. Because like you no, said, we just... We're, we're we paid off a number that we thought was not indicative yeah. of 
look, if if in a year the guy's skill set can just this was a guy that on a week in week out basis we were thinking could win any tournament that he teed it up and then so if in a year he has decided I hate golf I want the paycheck I want to fish and more than I want to golf and all that then so be it I'll pick off this last number and I'll never play him again but you know he competes this past week at live so there is some stuff left to his game and whatever and 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 like you said Kelly if if someone wants to put in a 30 to 1 ticket on a guy that would have been probably 16 or 17 entering this tournament if this was a year ago, I I have a hard time telling them not to do it. Yep. Yeah, me too. I, let, let me ask you about one other guy who we 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 bet a lot a lot early in the season. We've been off of here recently. Max Homa 35 to 1 at DraftKings. Any any lean on, at one way or the other on Homa this week? The the problem is just really with Max lately is he just hasn't had he just hasn't been able to put four rounds together and he hasn't been like sharp for an entire round. And like I said, I think this course is going to really penalize people that aren't sharp and you just take your pars when you got to take your pars. Right. And like, and, and I haven't seen that from max lately. I'll have to see whenever we really get into breaking down the numbers, it's going to be a juicy tournament from a betting standpoint for a lot of these guys in the 30 ish range, depending on how much confidence you want to go in and have on someone. I mean, we are looking at Jason Day fresh off a win at 28. Justin Thomas competing at 28. Victor Hovland, again, a guy that just, a, a top 20 machine, not necessarily win equity. You're not going to find me on him at 28 to 1, but 28 mm-hmm. to 1 on him. You know, Morikawa is 30. Fitzpatrick is 30. We have Cam Young at 30. We have Sung Jay at 35. Sung Jay, by the way, just bet him top 20. He's going to finish in the top 20. Do not bet him. <laughs> just just bet really? Sung Jay. To, he's yeah. going to finish in the top 20. Just print the check. It's fine. Just bet him. Move on. Spieth is at 45. Hideki is at 50. Sam Burns at 50. You know, Gooch, who's won twice over there on the Live Tour, is sitting at 75. So yeah. it's going to be kind of juicy in this mid-range if we do want to fade the top with Scotty and Rom. And, you know, Kelly, it's it's almost to me at this point. It's it's plus seven fifty and eight to one on Rom t- to win, and it's minus one ten for them to finish top ten. I'm like I'm to the point now where I'll just take my damn medicine and bet them top ten. Like they're they're gonna finish top ten. Like I mean, like it's <laughs> like it's gonna happen. Like will they win? I don't know for sure. Only one guy wins a golf tournament, but like. Is there anything in either one of these guys' games to lead us to believe that they're not going to finish in the top ten? So it's almost every single friggin' week. You can bet a uh, Scheffler John Rom top ten finish parlay at DraftKings for at plus two fifty. You know, I mean, <laughs> whatever, something like that. But it's just to me, I, I'm almost to the point now where I'm just going to like take my medicine and just bet these guys like at minus money to be at the top of the leaderboard. That's how good they are, but. I mean, yeah, I, I, I hear it does. It, look, it makes it tough. It makes it tough betting golf right now. Those two are so good. Um, I'm with you. It, it's it's hard to imagine them not being in that top 10, top 20 range uh, fighting for contention here. But, you know, you went through a list of guys. Right? I think you could make a, a great case for a lot of those names at 20, 28 to 50-ish to one. Yeah, and, and that's, I do too. I, know, maybe, I think that's going to be close probably. to the cutoff though, Kelly. Like, yes, no, definitely. Definitely. Like yeah. you start to get a little bit lower and you start thinking about actual true win equity in this field in on this course for a Gary Woodland or a, or a Siwoo or, you know what I'm saying? Corey Connors. Oh, and 
it's like <laughs> these guys, Keith Mitchell, it's like all these guys that we bet in these other tournaments and stuff. Like, yeah. It's fat numbers, but I like, I just don't want to light the money on fire. Right. Like if I, like, I think at this point I'd almost rather bet a Keith Mitchell top 20 than I would a Keith Mitchell outright, because like the odds of Keith Mitchell winning this tournament against this field on this course, I think is like very, very not, it's, it's not zero, but it's damn near zero. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. I, I think the, you know, the majors, the elevated events, I think they set up for great opportunities for some, if you want, if you you're big on guys like that, that's fine. But that's where you got to attack these top 20, top 10 markets. Mm -hmm. You're right. Like, it's just, it is, I, I think Keith Mitchell is probably a perfect example because we've seen him have some ups and downs this year, but look really sharp at times and be one of the best guys off the tee, if not the best off the tee all season. Um, so, you know, look, the, the, I think he has a really good chance. He has a really good chance to finish top 20 in almost every one of these events, but is he really going to win it with some of these names? I don't know about that. Right. I really, or like, no, let me rephrase. I really don't think so. This is the deepest golf has ever been, in my opinion, where we legitimately have, and, and like every single person we mentioned all the way down to 50 to one, basically can win, can win a turn, like can win yeah. any one of these tournaments every, every single week. Right. Like, you know, now is the win equity as high on a guy like Sung Jay or Cam Young who hasn't won yet? And like, obviously not, but you get where I'm going. Like, like the game is there and they're perennial top 20, top 10 finishers, even top five finishers. It, they're eventually going to start winning a bunch as well. So it's like, for me, it, it, that, it's just really hard now that we get on hard courses, elevated events, deep fields to where I feel comfortable putting the, 125 to ones, the 150 to ones, stuff like that. It's just going to, I'd rather spend the money elsewhere, you know, and I understand yep. it's not a, a big outlay anyway, Kelly, because we don't bet, you know, full units on those type of bets anyway. But, you know, why light the money on fire? Basically, what the, why bet just a bet, right? I mean, like, it's one of those things where if I put in a, you know, if I put in a, I go down and let's just say, for lack of a better term, this, guys, I'm just throwing this out there. I haven't run any models yet, but let's just say, like, you know, whatever, Kurt Kitayama is in the top 20 of one of, you know, one of the versions of the models that I ran. Like, Kirk Kitayama ain't winning this damn tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, so what am, I, <laughs> yeah. what am I even doing? Like, why would I even, even if it's a, even if it's a $50 hour, like, why am I going to put 50 bucks on that? You know, it's just, I'm not going to do it. Yep. No, totally. Totally agree. Um, yeah. I, I'm just like kind of looking at the list right now. I, I, yeah. I think you're, I think you're making a cut at, 50 yeah. <laughs> at least at least in the DraftKings list 50 it's really hard for me to make a case uh for going for going longer than that right it's like we love ricky i might have a top 40 on ricky like uh, the way how good he's been playing and all that but yep. like, ricky ain't winning this tournament you know yeah. i mean like and so it's just that that type of stuff like i think we just have to be able to understand the guys that are playing well and and figure out the best way to bet those guys like and it doesn't mean we have to throw outrights every single time right mm -hmm. and like Ricky's been super solid. I think this is the best his game has been in a decade. But Ricky ain't going to beat those guys that we just mentioned in front of him in this tournament. Like, it's not going to happen. But he could—he sure as hell might finish top 40. He sure as hell might finish even top 20, right? And so yeah. so I think we just got to identify, and that's what we'll try to do tomorrow whenever we get on here with the full podcast, guys, is, is, is the best way to bet these other guys and not necessarily just piss away money betting outrights over and over and over again on them. Yeah, the... Uh... Yeah, man, the one the one guy that I, the one longer shot that I bet, and I, and I think I already talked about it on here. But you know, we're in the Northeast, so we got to yeah. go back to Keegan Bradley. You know that, but well, sure. Man, I got a I got a bad number, Matt. I got a hundred to one. I'm seeing a hundred to ten to one. Well, I, everything I bet so far, the numbers have moved in my direction, but apparently not that one. 
not that might one. Throw, might have to throw a few more bucks down on Keegs. Uh, on, on the old, on the old Keegs there. But guys, yeah, uh, ten, uh, ten year anniversary. Something before like that. we get so. out of here, hit the pause button, run down, give us five stars. We do appreciate it. Put in a couple of comments if you don't mind as well. Uh, it is always, you know, for us, really cool to to see the reviews come in and see you guys saying that this has helped you make some money here along the way this season. Uh, we hadn't had too many losing tournaments uh, yeah. on on the uh, on the pod so far um, throughout the course of the season. Hopefully, we can keep it rolling here at the PGA, and uh, whether that means picking an outright winner or really and truly, like we said, attacking these other markets, and which is where you really do keep your bankroll healthy and and make some money here betting golf as well. So we'll be back full pod tomorrow. Again, it will be uh, it will be a recording that will be reposted here. We are live if you want to catch us live on VEASAN at 11 Pacific 2 Eastern. So you can jump on there and we'll be doing our thing on the airwaves over at VEASAN. For Kelly, I'm Matt. See you guys tomorrow. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.